Welcome to the Strap It Down Podcast. It's June 30th. We're talking White Sox baseball with the boys. This is Suds. I'm with the Schwab. I'm with Mush. We're going to kick it off like we always do. We're going to do the weekly recap. This past week, you know, a lot more of the same of what we've been seeing, unfortunately. Uh, When we were recording last week, we were playing the Orioles. We were recording live, and we lost that game 4-0. It was was a, a painful start to the series. Went into the weekend, just got worse. We lose we lose Friday, we lose Saturday. Thank God we salvaged the game Sunday. We end up going one and three against the Orioles at home. And then we fly out to California to LA for the West Coast trip. Go one and two against the Angels. Two and five against the Orioles and the Angels, which you know, we've talked about a lot. The the schedule is softening a little bit. And this is where we think we can make up some ground, but you're not going to make up any ground when you go two and five against the Orioles and Angels. Schwabi, I'm going to pass it to you. What are your thoughts about this past week? It's it's rough. Um, you know, you have to you have to pick up games when you have those opportunities, right? When you're playing the Yankees, when you're playing the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, you're trying to you know kind of stay even keel and just kind of keep where you are. When you get opportunities to pick up games, you have to take that opportunity. And we kind of, I, you know, we definitely screwed that up against the Orioles. Positive is, we're only five and a half back. <laughs> so regardless of what happens, we're always somewhere between four and a half and five and a half games back. It, this so, is this is episode six, Schwab. I think the first episode we did, it was just me and you. I think we were five games back. Is that right? right. Do you remember? I, I'm pretty sure for the last five to six weeks. I mean, it may have ebbed and flowed on a couple of days we didn't do it, but we pretty much are in the same exact place we were within a half a game either way, you know, from five weeks ago. Yeah, I, I like what you said. You, you got the Orioles at home for four games. You just – and I said this last week on the on the podcast. Like, you just – you cannot – I was saying that you had to take three out of four, and that was an absolute necessity. You, you can't – under no circumstances can you lose that series. And having a four-game opportunity against them and coming out of that only winning one game, and not only did we only win one game, <laughs> do you guys remember what happened Sunday in that last inning? Cease threw an absolute gem. Probably his best start of the year. I think he had a career-high 13Ks. And the first two plays in top nine, Abreu booted those balls, which were probably the two easiest plays for Jose all year. That was actually a phenomenal inning by Graveman to be able to pitch over that and get, get probably the, the most needed win of the year. I don't know. It was tough. And then, you know, we go to L.A. and we lose that first game. We had so many opportunities to win that game. We we took the lead. What, what killed me in that game, Robert not getting the run in from third with less than two outs. And... What kills me about this, the infield's back, just just hit a ground ball. You know, we love hitting ground balls, but we never hit ground balls when the infield's back with less than two outs and a runner on third. And then Sebi getting caught up, he got picked off on second where we had that huge rally going after we took the lead. 
And then the very next inning, the Angels took the lead against us. There was one play, other play mix in there that's that that I, I I can't remember at the moment, but just too many missed opportunities. And then the next game, we actually we we put up an eleven spot. We finally hit some home runs. We're going to touch on that a little bit. And then, you know, game three against Otani shuts us down. More missed opportunities. We we could talk about a lot in that game as well. Mush, what were your thoughts this past week? Uh, Kopech lost my all-star vote. Um, Lynn, five darn runs over six innings. Sheets showed some life. Moncada, it's good to have him back. Um, and Harrison's good in the nine hole. I mean, that's about all I took from the whole thing. Yeah. Har- we got to start, start winning. Harrison's good in the nine hole. If you don't have Reese, then Leary. Or, or Leary, Reese, then Harrison. I, and that's what happened in that last game against the Angels. The classic Tony just throwing those guys out seven, eight, nine. It's like, come on, you know, what do you expect with putting that lineup there? You're giving Vaughn a day off. There was a perfect opportunity. I, do you guys recall? I think it was the sixth inning. The perfect opportunity for Vaughn to come in and pinch it first and third. We were down two at the time. First and third, two odds. Leary grabs a bat. He strolls up to the plate with Vaughn sitting on the bench. Yeah, that's exciting stuff to watch, you know. I mean, I, I just can't stand the guy. I just don't think he brings anything to the team as far as value other than, like, a utility spot, emergency-type player, and to have a quality bat like Vaughn on the bench is really hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's hard because Vaughn – he's getting the day off right and and today they're not playing today but even so if he's getting the day off right like can you just pinch hit him and then just not play him in the field why why do you have to if you're five and a half yeah at the time i think we were six and a half back if you're six and a half back you can't you cannot hit leary in that situation and it's like Tony, did you send that Schwab after the game? What Tony said, I, I, somebody sent that to me. Where Tony said that he had a good at bat against Otani because you know he was falling off a lot of pitches, so he deserved the at bat. And he took a walk. Yeah, he took a walk. Right. It's like I, Tony. I, I don't. I do not care that he, the last at bat he he saw eight pitches. Legs, legs. But that's the problem. That's a good at bat for Larry Garcia. He took a walk. What are we in high school? <laughs> well, I okay. I, I have a big complaint about us not taking walks. It's funny that Leary actually took a walk in that situation. I mean, it was a good at bad. I'm not gonna lie. But at the same time, you're you can't let your judgment get clouded by that. It, what, what was ironic about the whole thing, Schwab? You said this last week. You're a big process over results guy. And, and Tony in that in, in the post game interview, he actually said that the reason that he left. Lyrian, because it was a more process-driven decision versus a results decision, which is totally in, that insane to think about. Because if you had a good process, you're going to always hit the best hitter in that situation, regardless of what's going on before that. Especially when it's like your best or second best hitter on the year. With a lefty in. Right. It's not like you're just playing a guy who's better than Lurie. You're talking about your, at worst, second best hitter on the team in comparison to your worst statistical hitter on the team. Yeah, it, you know, it's it, it's tough to watch. It's like it's the same decisions day in and day out. Uh, wh- what do they say about the definition of or the it, 
what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It's like deja, yes, it's deja vu. Every week we're talking about the same things. It's getting frustrating. Something's got to change. I don't know what the splash will be, but you certainly you can't you can't play Baltimore for four. You can't play the Angels for three and go two and five. You, you just you can't do it to expect to win the division. And I don't think there's a reason. There's a there's no reason why we should be losing the teams that don't have a superstar eight, like the Baltimore Orioles. The the Orioles that game two. So that that game one pitcher, he pitched he pitched good. He's having a good year, I forget his name, but that game two pitcher, I think they they threw a bullpen day, but the guy who started had an I think it was Lyles. No, that Lyles was game three, I think. Or game four. I thought we beat Lyles. But any anyway, the game two was the guy with a seven plus ERA. And he and then they ended up doing the bullpen day. We got one hit that game. I think it was a burger double. How do you get? How do you get one hit against the Orioles at home? It's insanity. I, I mean, that's a good segue because we're gonna talk about we're, we're gonna play the blame game. Play, play, play game. I love you more. Let's play the blame game. And I, I don't want to. We're not playing the blame game, and we're not blaming people for where the White Sox are in terms of record at this point and, and the fact that we're in third place i, I want to play the blame game specifically related to the white Sox approach at the plate Who's fault? i'll start real quick here and i and i'm not a big one to harp on firing the hitting coach because i think that's you know that's kind of just like a cop out it's an easy way out but when you have the type of power that the white Sox have in their lineups and it's like you know, we're like the monsters, man. Who, who's, who stole? Where, where did, where did the the monsters go with all of the White Sox power? It, it's it's literally crazy to see. We're going up there and we're hitting for singles. We're trying not to strike out, and at some point you got to change the approach. Schwabi, what do you got for me on the White Sox blade approach? So as of six twenty eight, so a couple days ago. Uh, over the last two weeks, the White Sox were first in the AL in hits, 131 hits. Yankees were last in the AL in hits with 84. White Sox batting average, second in the AL, 282. Yankees last in the AL, 196. White Sox, 6-7, Yankees 10-4. The issue is they like they don't hit homers, right? So I've got like a little thing set up here from Twitter from, from at Jay Kuda. Uh, the White Sox rank in AL by position in home runs, right? 15 teams in the AL. Catcher, where do you think they rank in home runs hit? Last. Correct, last. Third base, eighth. Shortstop, eighth. Second base, 12th. First base, 12th. Right field, 14th. Center field, 7th. Left field, 6th. DH is 5th. They hit no home runs. And when you have a bunch of older, you have a bunch of, you have a bunch of DH type players who aren't exactly fleet of foot. You have a bunch of guys whose legs hurt and are being told not to run their hardest on the base path to stay healthy. And all you're doing is hitting singles. You can't score runs. Those were rankings in the AL Schwab. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm actually surprised we're that high in some of the categories. I thought we would have been like 12 through 15 in a lot of positions. Who's even hit 
from a catcher perspective? Because Ruiz, I don't think, has any. Grandal has a couple. And then Zavala's got one. I mean, they're last, so yeah. It's, it's yeah, I, I think you got to... Menachino, I think, has got to go. Whatever he's done with these guys, it, it's clearly not working. It, it, which is funny, because last year, you know, maybe not last year, but for a long period of time, I'd always complain about how he would strike out all the time. And it's so Menachino does this, and, and we're really not striking out. Everyone's probably has their best strikeout rates of their careers, but it's it's at the expense of the home run and the expense of the extra base hit. And you, in this day and age of baseball, you just you can't win baseball games this year. So I was thinking about this too, like the, the whole singles approach and, and not striking out. I think that approach could potentially work, but the one variable where the White Sox are lacking is they don't walk. So if you don't walk and you're only hitting singles, I mean, you could run the math on that all you want. You're not going to score any runs. Well, not hitting home runs either. Yeah, that, I mean, that's part. That, that's that's probably point number one, right? That we're not hitting home runs. The other, the other issue is they're slow, and they and like because of their, you know, leg issues. They're even running slower. They, they're the White Sox are last in baseball this season in scoring runners from second base on a single. How many guys have we had thrown out at home? Oh, I don't even know what that number is. I mean, Joe, you know, waving, waving Wendell McEwing over there is just <laughs> sending dudes to, to the to their death. But like, we can't score on a single from second, with the exception of like Luis. We can't score on a on a base hit when a guy's on second. We can't get the third. On a base hit with a runner on first, it. And if the bags are loaded, we can't get a hit. So I mean, it's it's. Tough. I saw some stat yesterday that with the bases loaded, the White Sox, I think we're hitting like 180, and when we're when we have two outs with the bases loaded, we have 27 at bats. I think it was 27 or 28. I'm, take a guess of how many hits we got. Five. Schwabi. Four. One hit. We're one Jeez. for 27 with the bases loaded into it. I mean, that, that's almost impossible. If you think about just... Th- think about <laughs> just, like, hitting a a blooper that falls in. You know what I mean? I mean, they you know, they talk about it all the time. Or they a lot of people talk about how, like, being clutch is a, is a myth, right? Good hitters are good hitters. Bad hitters are bad hitters. It's It's... Absolutely unimaginable how bad the Sox are um, in those situations. Like I just, it's amazing. Mush, what do you think of this plate approach by the White Sox? I see a lot of familiarities with like a little league baseball team. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like, well, where do we lead off? Oh, well, little Jimmy didn't get the bat, so he's gonna lead off next game. Let's that, go, that's Jimmy. How Tony feels about Leary. You know, like if Leary's on the bench for a few days, he's got to get him in the lineup. Right, and I, I think the issue is, is there's a lot of shuffling around. There's a lot of shuffling the deck. I'm like kind of to follow up on what Elder said. I'm a big believer in that value of position and the order. So you know, you you put Robert Abreu three four, Berger Vaughn five six, Timmy Mankata one two. Like if you keep those guys within a two two spot on a day to day, we have a great lineup. But there's no consistency. Keep Harrison in the nine hole. Beth, our catcher, who's who knows who it's going to be next? Put him in the eight hole. It, and it's just just let it be. 
and swap guys in and out. I do not need to see Ingle, Lurie, Hazley, whoever the hell grabs a mitt. We don't need multiple guys at that like talent level you out there at the get, same time. You, you better we get don't. used to it because that's how it's going to be. I mean, we've talked about it. And I, I, what Tony doesn't know how to do is stack his best players. I think he's been a little better of that lately because Han probably was in the meeting room with him. He's probably trying to pull a money ball type situation. But even so, it's like when Leary plays, man, this is the problem too. When you have a guy like Harrison and Leary and Reese McGuire, you're kind of stuck. But in my opinion, he should be playing at most 25% of the games. And when he's playing, he needs a bat ninth. I Don't fuck around with him anywhere else right. in the lineup. He's got a bat nine. Harrison, if Harrison's in, Lurie should be on the bench. Right. Just the other way around, same way. They should not be in the lineup at the same time. Because then you throw the catcher position in there, and that's to me, that's three subpar bats. Three out. You just can't play Harrison and Leary at the same time. It kills us. And you know what the other problem is? With those guys, Leary and Harrison, not only are they they're not good hitters, they don't walk. They don't get on base. So it goes back to this plate approach. How many home runs does Leary have this year? Leary has two. Yeah, that's that's more than what I thought. Harrison has two. Yep. And those guys, how many walks do they have? Uh, Harrison has walked a whopping eight times. Leary has walked six. Oh my god. I mean, how, how are you going to win? <laughs> and what are they? They're, they're both hitting like 200 each, maybe, and that's probably being generous. Lurie's at 193. 193 Josh Harrison. Josh Harrison's batting a whopping at 228. Yeah, and it's all singles. You're just, you're not going to win. You're not going to win ball games doing that. It's unfortunate, but I said this, and, um, uh, I tweeted this from the Strap It Down account. When when Rick Han decided to send down Sosa when Mankata was activated, Rick Han was more worried about saving face than anything else. He, he was more worried about saving face than actually winning. So Sosa, I, I just don't get it. He gets called up. It, that this we talked about it. The the disconnect between the front office and Tony. He gets called up. He, he actually the day he gets called up in AAA, he doesn't play. Then he sits two out. He doesn't play Call from Double A. Yeah, straight. Sorry, from Double A. You're right. So he doesn't play the day he gets called up, which is Wednesday. Doesn't play Thursday. Doesn't play Friday. And then Saturday he plays. Well, I I think he got in because Harrison got hurt and on Thursday. But anyway. Saturday, he starts. Sunday, he starts. I think Monday, he starts, and then he gets sent down because Yohan gets activated on Tuesday. But, I mean, Schwabi, you, you know this stuff. Like, we had to put him on the 40-man, and then you waste an option to, to play him for two games. Right. You start you start his service time. It's just it's a, it's an extremely short-sighted decision. Uh, you know, that's like if you're going to bring somebody up from the 40-man, we're going to add someone to the 40-man midseason and bring him up. He either should be someone who you're playing on keeping up or you bring up one of your older, you know, uh, lower-ceiling prospects because you know, the, you know he's going to be sent down soon and, you know, probably going to have to DFA. Might have to DFA. 
DFA the guy at some point to get somebody else on the 40 men. Yeah. But what, what makes you think that it wasn't like a spark plug situation? Like, let's see if this guy can light something on fire and, it, you know, hitting's contagious. Let's and we can roll with it. And he just, not that he disappointed, but like he just didn't perform. I think that's what Rick wanted, but Tony didn't oblige. You, got, you gave the guy Tony, 12 at-bats. You, you can't... You, you, 13 at-bats, I you apologize. Can't be, you can't give the guy 13 at-bats and be like, okay, you know, you got one hit, you weren't ready for the big leads. Like, give me a break. You know, you, you got to give the guy at least 50 at-bats before you're like, all right, let's send him down. And he seems overwhelmed. But it wasn't even that much. It was like... I. I think that's what Rick wanted, and I think he wanted to keep him there, although maybe not after that decision of sending him down. But Tony didn't play him. Tony was treating him like exactly like what Schwab said. He was treating him like, okay, it's this, it's like a ba- a guy who's a quad A player. He's going to come up because we're a man down who went on the IL, and hopefully he could, you know, spot start here and, and do okay. It's just... It's just poor planning all around. It's like this is the what happened with Sosa this past weekend is like if I could if I could basically explain how the White Sox franchise operated based on like one baseball operation move or, or like one roster decision of what happened, I would point to this and just like it screams incompetence across the board and like and even if you wanted to keep Lurie and Josh up I mean you played both of them in left field this past week Adam Hazley has been nowhere to be seen since he killed Mendick I, mean, I think he's been sick send him down you know, <laughs> no like well, they could have been hoping that Sosa lights the world on fire they send him down when Mancata comes up anyways now you got some great trade bait right but then you gotta you, you have know, to let I mean, him set the world on fire you can't do that and I mean Minus hitting four home runs and thirteen at bats, I don't yeah, like. Less, less is more. Here, here's where I'm at though. So, Sosa can't do any worse than Leary, right? I mean, we're all in agreement. Like, you, you literally can't do that worse than Leary. I, I was, I got some stat texted to me the other day about Leary. I think there's like with batters, it was either 150 at bats or 175 at bats. There was like 230 qualified players between. Batting average, OBP, OPS, maybe slugging, I think was the last one. The guy was, he was 20, 225th out of 232 or worse in all of them. So why not? And here it comes back to Rick Hahn giving him a three-year deal for, for no reason. The three-year deal is the killer. I mean, it's just, it's. It, it's a, it's a it handcuffed bad, him. It's a bad, bad deal. Like, I mean, he's shown, they've shown a, a willingness to get rid of guys on one-year deals or on their last year of their, of their multi-year deal. Right? He's done it with Eden. He's done it with Keuchel. Um, but it's a sunk cost, man. It's a sunk cost. Rick doesn't understand that. So we 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 gotta stop talking about Larry. It's just it's truly. It's funny though you talk about Leary. It's like straight. It goes to the heart of every White Sox fan. It gets them so fired up. White Sox Twitter just loves Leary Garcia. I do. Loves loves just harping on him. So we're, we got our next segment. Put your hard hats on.
We're doing some construction. Mush. We're, we're doing some roster construction. We had Gavin Sheets in the right field. You could argue... You know, one thing we didn't talk about, actually, and this relates to the Sheets point. We have Sheets in the right field. Lucas Giolito might have thrown his best game of the year the last time out against the Angels. But we got Gavin Sheets, first baseman, in the right field. Drops, it, it may be a tough catch, but you give any any average outfielder, I think Benetti said that, any average outfielder makes that catch and immediately puts you behind. So, Cheats did go two for three at the dish. Geo, six Ks over six innings, two earned runs with no run support. I'm not blaming Sheets at a two, when he went two for three. I think Abreu went 0 for four. Timmy hit one hit that game, I think. Schwab, you want this one? That's the the two opposite field Gavin Sheet singles, right? I mean, like, I, you tickle them. Uh, great, like, I, like I Gordon. I think was on the pregame show and he was trying to say how like, no, he went the other way. He didn't. He went the. If you go the other way with some authority, cool. Like it wasn't I mean, by he design. He essentially had. He essentially had two bunt singles that were full swings that he just lazily hit to the left field. Like I mean, it's not like that. He was protecting those balls. That was not like anything. That was more pure luck. And the next day he pulled one out. So, like, great. But, you know, I'm not terribly excited when I see him do that. And if Gavin Sheets isn't tearing the cover off the ball or at least, like, an above, if you don't have a an OPS plus or an offense or runs created plus of over 100 and Gavin Sheets is playing right field, you have a problem. The, Gavin's okay, so okay since he came back, but like, but but what about his fielding? His fielding is it's garbage. Awful. So this goes back to the roster construction. You, I could beat him in a you, foot you race. You can't have. I you, guarantee you it. can't have. You can't have Gavin Sheets in right. You can't have Jake Berger at third. You can't. Very okay. There you go. There you go. Put us, Rick Hahn. You're going to get me in a position here. You're going to trade. You're going to make some moves. We are going to be winning. The division, if you acquire some guys and we have Sheets and Berger coming off the bench. Yeah, the, the, yeah I, think, I think Berger and Sheets are great guys off the bench you, you, that are playing once every three games. Because okay, you can't so play then, those guys You can't play those guys every game because you're so exposed in the field and the ball is going to find you. The problem with those guys on a team is that we have a team full of guys in that who fit that same defensive mold. Yes, exactly. Right? If, and, and same with their hitting approach, too. Right. If you if you had – if there was no Jose Abreu and you wanted to have Gavin Sheets and uh, Berger as a platoon first base situation. Okay. Don't throw, don't forget about Vaughn. Well, this I've got to at least give a DH hole where I can use three, <laughs> two of the three every day. But it's Wait, just how, like, many, how many first – what about your mean? Can we bring your mean back? You and your, your mean. But I mean, it's just like you can't—you can only get away with playing so many first basemen at a time. And the Sox have gone. We have five first basemen, and they play our whole they, team. And they play four of them in the field at the same time occasionally. <laughs> wait, till, wait till Eli comes back. We'll have six wait, oh my god, Aloy comes back. Imagine. Okay, so imagine a lineup like this, uh, and this is a very possible lineup for the White Sox. And this is probably having like. I don't even know who's DH. Maybe, I don't know. So think about this defensive alignment. 
you have in left field and Andrew Vaughn. No, sorry. In left field, you have Aloy, right? In right field, you have Andrew Vaughn. At third base, you have Jake Berger. And I didn't even include Gavin Sheets in that. Like, Gavin Sheets, what What if Gavin's in right over Vaughn? I mean, what's the difference at that point? Like, how, how bad? You, you cannot have three players like that that are such a defensive liability. And on top of that, Tim is, like, making... Tim's been better. He had that bad stretch. But it's like... You, <laughs> That's so much pressure on not be terrible. All other you can, players, on the you can do like, that, legs. You could do that, but your batters and your players are going to be Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Like they need to be at that level where it's like, okay, we'll throw him in right field. We don't care what he does in the field. Just try to catch the ball. But you're going to hit. You're going to hit seventy home runs. I mean, it's like that Cincinnati red line of a couple years ago where they put Suarez at short and Mustakas at second. Like, right. we're going to try out every guy we can who can hit and play him wherever to get their bat in the lineup, but it's just like, got to pick up the ball. That's, it goes back to, the, so we're talking about roster construction, right? It's like, what has Rick done? I, I think, like, Rick has, he, uh, you know, I, he made so many promising moves, but then he got to the point, Schwab, I think you said this at, uh, on maybe maybe last episode or the episode before, but he got to the point where it's like winning time and like a couple moves, right. To like finish the deal. And he, he like, he, he panicked and, and made some of the worst deals of the offseason. They needed to trade some of these guys like burger, you know, shows a little spark, might have some value. Gavin sheets might have some value, might have some value last year. And like, you need to try to move those guys, teams who are short at first base or this off season, when the NL added the DH, try to like sell an NL team on here's a DH for you, and try to get somebody who can play a little defense who you know who, who fills some holes. Yeah, I it's a good point. Like I think Gavin Sheets had a lot of I don't want to say a lot of trade value, but I think he had probably his highest trade value in the off season at any point in his career. You I mean, he's a big dude. There's a lot. Of, there's a high ceiling there. You could take advantage, yeah, but I think to Schwab's point, like, we already have six first basemen, right? If Gavin Sheets has high trade value, you got to trade him at the peak because there's there's not a spot for Gavin Sheets, and if there is a spot, it's because you're trying to create one in a right field, and it's just not going to work. If you, if you have Andrew Vaughn and Jose Abreu, you, you don't have a spot for Gavin Sheets. I'm sorry, you just don't, and you, you need to trade him at his highest value to get something back in return for something that we needed. We needed a second baseman, a right fielder. Shit, you could have traded Sheets for a relief pitcher, maybe a couple, and then you don't spend $7 million and $8 million on Kelly and Graveman, and, and you use that $15 million to resign Carlos Rodon. I, I see a nice trade opportunity with the Chicago Cubs. All right, what do you got with the with the flubs? We, we don't call I them the Cubs work. on this show. We call I them flubs. The flubs. I want Wilson Contreras. I want Nico Horner. What what are we doing? What are we doing? And I want and I want Morell. Okay, stop. Stop it. Are you trading them Abreu and Luis? No, I'll give them Eloy and uh, one of our fat first basemen. All right, first off, we we're not trading for Wilson Contreras. This it's not happening. We don't have a catcher. Okay, Randall is the catcher. <laughs> you you're not trading 
Grundle is the highest paid. Not not that this is the point because it's not, but he's all he's the highest paid free agent in the history of the White Sox, and he's going to be back in like two weeks. What, what are we going to do with Wilson Contreras and Yasmani Grandal? You're going to DH Grandal we're, then? All we're going to put we're going to put a catcher in left field instead of first base. Yeah, player. yeah, <laughs> that'll <laughs> that'll fix the problem. Let's just get another guy who doesn't has never played the field before, and we'll fucking throw him well, in left field. We'll throw him. We'll throw him at second base. You're not providing any solutions with bantering Lurie Garcia in our fat. I'll, six I'll first provide base. plenty of solutions. My solution is not going to be Wilson Contreras. What are you smoking? So, and Christopher Morrell is good. I like him. You know, you know where. I made this point before. You know where Christopher Morrell was promoted from? Double A. Thank, thank you, Schwabi. He is promoted from Double A. But apparently, Lenin is not ready, according to Tony. All right, so Mush, that's your trade. That that's what we're talking about now. We're talking about trades with the Flubs for Contreras and I got, I got like five other Nico deals, Horner. We'll... What are the Flubs going to do with Nico Horner and Magical now? Nico Horner's playing shortstop and playing really well. Yeah, Horner's good. Stay there. Do you think Madrigal? I mean, they're going to try to play Horner at shortstop, and if they can do that, then Madrigal can slap second second base all day. But Madrigal's been hasn't been playing well. God, Madrigal stinks. That was like it's one of the worst (laughs) trades of all time for everybody. I know. know. (laughs) We could have got somebody good, and we get Kimbrel. I guess. I guess Rick flipped Kimbrel for. Pollock. Why why does everyone stink when they come here? I don't get it. It's like what is Menachino doing to these guys? Pollock, I was looking at Pollock's stats the other day, and he, this is by far the worst year of his career. I know it's early. Well, but he it's just not started to heat up and then he fell off a cliff the last few weeks. So it's No, just... he was, you, you know what happened, Schwab. He was starting to heat up and then his legs were barking, so Tony gave him a day. Yeah. So no. much barking in that clubhouse. Who let the dogs out? All right, <laughs> we're we're taking off the hard hats. We're going to Schwabi metrics. Last week, Schwabi gave us some details on Lucas Giolito, who pitched, like I said before, I think his best outing of the year. He, if if we had a normal right fielder, Giolito maybe throws a shutout. Not not a complete game, but I think he throw he goes six or seven with no runs. Schwabi, I got someone on tap for you. Someone that the Southsiders haven't seen in a while. Aloy Jimenez, the guy, came up in 2019, and he he might have produced one of the best rookie seasons by a White Sox player in a long time. Wins a silver slugger in 2020, and then he gets injured. The wheels fall off a little bit. Schwabi metrics, what do you got for me on Aloy? So I, I went in here, and I was you know looking at what to t- hit on with Eloy. And I was I was surprised to see that you know his max exit velocity again short minimal uh, games this year right only thirty nine plate appearances thirty six at bats but his max exit velocity is still in the eighty eighth percentile his exit velocity is pretty much on par with his you know his previous years you know in twenty twenty that year we talked about he was ninth top nine percent in the league in exit velocity with nine two point four his exit velocity this year is actually up it's nine two point six. His biggest issue is his launch angle. His launch angle, I mean, again, short sample, small sample. It's at 3% this year. But even over his best, his first year, he was 9.3. In 2020, it was 5.7. 2021, was 8.4. Wait, 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 wait. 2019, what was it? 2019, his launch angle was 
And then 2020, what year, what was it? 5.7. It went down that much? He won the Silver Slugger yep. in 20. That was only, Dude, his numbers in 20 were sick. Dude, his max, I, I mean, he he was killing the ball there. His, his hard hit percentage was 55.7. I mean, he was killing it, but he, he doesn't get the ball in the air. That's his biggest issue. Um. You know, the MLB average is 12.1 for launch angle. What? He's at, he was at five three in, this year. Wait, wait. He was in five in 2020? Are you he sure was that's 5. right? 5.7 in 2020. What? Yup. Baseball savant, man. Wait, wait, wait. Ta- Listen, time out. You can time, be a line wait, drive all you want. The ball is on the ground. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I, Dude, he, so, he, he crushed the ball. I think it... What was his OPS that year? Wasn't it like close uh, to I've got all his advanced stuff up. I don't have his. Aloy. So I know Aloy won the Silver Slugger. He was, dude, in the middle of the order. If we had Aloy right now, what he did in 2020, it just would make such a big difference. He's he's such a monster when he's on. And I love when he just, you know when he's, you know when he's the best when he goes to right center. Center and right center, he just hits bombs. I remember the first home run I ever saw by Aloy in person. It was the dead center. You know yeah, that I remember that ball. He killed it. At the cell. Dude, what? it was so sick. It, I was so pumped when he hit that. It was just, I think it was a 19. It was an absolute bomb. Legs, what was he batting in 2020? Was he like 6'7"? So in 2020, oh, and no, in the lineup? No, he batted cleanup every game, I think. Because wasn't Jose 3? So, do you guys remember in 20, Aloy got hurt right before the playoffs. Yeah, hard to believe. And he only, he, when we were playing the athletics, he, I think he, it was either the first or second game he played, he like hit a double, but then he re-aggravated the injury and had to leave because he was DH. You wanted his slugging? But that was huge, man. Yeah, I wanted his, his OPS, OPS in, 2020. in 2020 was 891. Yeah, dude, that's if he did that right now, that'd be like right. top in the league with the dead. Well, probably not gonna do that with the dead ball, but but okay. So like his batting profile to give you, you know, to put this in perspective a little bit, right? Current launch angle three, his career's eighth. Timmy Anderson, guy who's renowned as a singles hitter, right center, seven point four launch angle. Timmy. Timmy's Timmy's at four point three this year, but seven point four. Timmy's at four career. this year, dude. <laughs> yeah, one of your one of your favorites, legs, Patrick Wisdom. His launch angle for his career, nineteen point five this year. Nineteen point nine. Schwisdom. Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu is another guy who is not a high launch angle guy. He's nine point eight this year, ten point seven for his career. Dude, Wisdom's nineteen. He must just like not put the ball in play. No, he's very much a. He's like he's becoming a three outcome kind of guy. Did wait wait wait? Did we establish why Mush has been sitting there in the dark? Why why are you why are you in the dark? We're we're literally recording here, and Mush is sitting in the dark with his caption being the tickle monster. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta move on. Schwabi metrics. On Aloy, I mean, let's hope he comes back and he, he produces, like, the, the 19 and 20 Aloy. He went yard the other day in Charlotte, which was a good sign. B 
Before that, though, I was I I was a little concerned. He had 40, 38 at bats, or maybe forty at bats, no extra base hits. We just can we we got to keep Aloy as far away from possible as as Menachino. I'm done with that guy. The plate approach has just been abysmal. Real quick with Charlotte, Lenin had his first Triple A game ever today. Oh God, here we three, go. Three hits. Three hits. Yeah, he's gonna. Do- you know, he's gonna dominate. Well, that's fine. Let him dominate. We'll trade him. We're not trading Lenin. So we're <laughs> we're moving on. We're moving on. We're not trading Lenin, Mush. Rebuild the rebuild. You texted this. No, you tweeted this, Mush, last week. Yeah. Rebuild it. Re- fucking burn it down. Start over. Keep. You're going to keep Robert Abreu because he's, a, he's a Mr. White Sox. Vaughn, T.A., Mikey, and Dylan. Everybody else has got to go fire sale. Get rid of so them. So you're done, on, you're, you're done with the 2022 White Sox. Yeah, I think uh, the ship sailed because I don't think we could keep up with the top of the teams in the AL. I think the Yankees are just going to just tear it, tear it up all the way through. Um, we're going to battle the Twins and the Indians. I just it's like a rubber match. Like why are we even? It's like the Bears playing the freaking Lions. Like so no one wants to watch it. Shit. <laughs> so no one wants to watch it. I, Zero. I I. I Part of me agrees with you. Part of me doesn't. the 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 Yankees are sick this year. It's gonna be really hard to beat them. At the same time, we went into Yankee Stadium and won two out of three. Baseball is weird. You just gotta get in the tournament, and then anything can happen. The Braves. We have no playoff experience. We have no playoff. What, what do you mean? We made the playoffs the last two years. Yeah, we do. That that's the whole point. That, that, that the, the, the whole point of this year being the year I'm was we about... have playoff experience now. So. Last year, the Braves were 50 and 50 after 100 games. And they go on and win the World Series. Without Acuna. Without, yeah. Without Acuna. I I don't know how that happened. Because that, what's the name of the GM there? Schwab isn't some, it's a Greek last name. It's like Anthropolis or, yeah, something like that. Guy just made some unbelievable moves. He he goes out, he gets Soler, he got Jack. And those guys were just I mean, they caught fire. It was that's that's baseball. You you go out, you get some guys that catch fire and, and they make the playoffs and win it all. We have an opportunity here. It's I don't want it to be a lost season. It's a good question. The rebuild, the rebuild's a good question. I don't know how you go from trading for Wilson Contreras to trading off everybody, but that's for another conversation. Schwabi, what do you think? Are you buying or are you selling at the deadline? Uh, I think I'm happy that the deadline's a month off. Um, I really don't want to sell, but you know, if we're sitting there at the deadline and we're six, seven games out, I'm not sure how you're how you're not selling. You know, I, I so if we're six games out. Because that, that's what we are right now. Are we five and a half out or seven and a half? Because you're selling. I'm selling. It, it, at that point in time, I mean, it will have essentially been eight weeks, two months, and we've gained zero ground. Like, I'm not. Right. Lex, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I mean, flip the coin. But I'm in agreement with Alderman, with the Schwab here, because I just don't think we could gain that ground. And what are we going to do then? Trade, 
you know, trade to invest in winning it this year when I just don't think we have it. All right, what's give me give me a trade. Give me a trade. I really like Trey Mancini, who's actually uh, his deal is going to be up this year. And then I I like a Rugnik Odor. Is Mancini like, a free agent this year? Yeah, he's coming into the uh, contract year. Or this is his this is his uh, contract year. What position is Mancini Odor, play? He's a wonder deal. He's an outfielder. He's, an outfielder. Right? he's a first no, baseman. No, he plays first. I think. No. <laughs> what? Wait, you just said that we had six first basemen. You want to add another one? Mancini. Okay, let's go get Ryan McKenna, who plays right field. We can go get Austin Hayes. That's fine. That would be great. Cedric Mullins. Let's go get Mullins then. I would love Mullins. Okay, so Mullins. Now that's a name I could get my head around. But to get a Mullins, you know who you got to trade? You got to trade Aloy. You got to trade Crochet. And then a prospect. See you later. I I think that's actually a good deal. To me, to me, that's... So throughout all the names that you just talked about, because we're not trading for any of those guys. Cedric Mullins. I think... Hold on, step back up. I think Lyles is. You think a legit the Orioles? Deal. If you He's if you put this contract. in front of the Orioles right now, whatever you fucker. <laughs> sure, I can't take you serious with you sitting there talking in the dark. What are we doing? Why are we talking in the dark? By the light. Schwab, are they are the Orioles doing that deal, Schwab? I'm gonna be honest with you. I I can't tell you if I know what the Orioles are trying to do, but I think it's definitely a, a tempting deal. I, mean, I think Crochet, they would they would view as a guy they're going to try to turn into a starter. You pair him with uh, what Grayson Rodriguez in AAA. I think you can put Eloy in left. You can probably move Hayes over to, mm-hmm. to center. I think Hayes is a fairly uh, fairly solid defender. You got uh, you know a lineup of uh, Eloy, Hayes, Santander, Mancini, Mountcastle. You can only play one. You'd have to say one of those guys because that's corners and first base and dh so you one too many there but it's not a horrible uh a horrible idea so are you buying or selling buying or selling i'm i i'm i'm in between i'm not doing anything i'm i'm holding for uh another three weeks i'm holding i'm holding we got so the next 19 games after the giants this weekend we're going to talk about this and look forward but 16 against the division we're gonna know, right? We're gonna know exactly. You'll you'll know by the all star break what you're doing. Yeah, dude. If we're selling, that's an effing disaster, right? I mean, if you're selling, then someone's gotta get fired. Who's getting fired if you're selling? Everybody. Yeah. All right, boys. We gotta move on. Next segment. Let's get pickled. Mush, last week you were talking hot dogs. What do you got for me this week? You wouldn't know a good hot dog if it fucking slapped you in the face. All right, let's get pickled. Here we go. Hello, everybody. We're coming down to crunch time here with the White Sox. So let's get a little crunchy crispy and burn that roof of your mouth the right way. Let's talk tavern styles, a.k.a. pub style pizza. So, Elder, real quick, though, we were jabbing at this earlier. Deep dish, pub style. Pub style, tavern style is actually, an, that title is an actual origin of Chicago. Right? Yeah. It, it was given that name, apparently, because bars would serve pizza 
to encourage the the drinkers to stay around and drink a little bit longer. No, long story short is it, what did you Google this before today? No, I didn't. We were talking. Me and Elder were talking about the pub and the pub style and tavern style approach. Because I'm a deep dish guy, but that's like a winter thing. Because I go into like a comatose, I need a pillow like 20 minutes after I eat it. Anyways, so top three. Um, I'm going to go with Armand's Pizza as number three. I'm sure you're familiar with Armand's. Number two, Pat's Pizza in North, uh, North Lincoln. And again, this is like, you know, there's like, you have a couple different kinds. You get that oven pizza that's like a, um, that wood coal fire style. And then you got the deep dish. We're talking, we're talking thin crust, crunch, butter crust. Number one, Barnaby's Pizzeria. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this has been a favorite of mine since I could, uh, since I can remember. And coming from a guy who's lactose intolerant, I'll eat Barnaby's no matter what the outcome's going to be. Pizzas are a little small, though. I think they serve a top out at like a 15-inch, maybe, 14, 15-inch. So you're going to have to order two or three of those guys, saddle up with a couple of Diet Cokes, and uh, yeah, have at it. But pepperoni, the pepperoni's good, too. It's just burnt. It's well done. Everything's well done. And it's got a little uh, little pepper salt crust to it. It's just, I'm getting hungry talking about it. I've only been to Barnaby's, so I can't speak on the other two. Um, you haven't had Armand's before? Maybe once or twice when it was in Essen Park. But uh, I think I definitely got Moretti's in there. Big fan of the Moretti's thin. Um, Mush, what's the place by by you when you were in Parker Ridge? JD Cads was the best. I was gonna put that on the list. No, not JD Cads. Uh, Potraz's joint. Oh, uh, Countryside. Countryside. Countryside is. Countryside very good. I think my 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 top place right now is got to be Super Rosa. Okay. That's uh, that is that's our current. That's our current. That's my current pizza place. Uh, had that last night. High quality, big fan. They do like a eighteen by twenty six, so it's a giant one. I like that. Yeah. Well, well done, Mush. I'm gonna do my. Let's get pickled. Want to get your guys' thoughts on this? So, did you guys see today, or I guess it was yesterday? Mark Appel, this guy made his major league debut. Thirty years old. First pick overall, this guy was drafted over Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant was drafted to two. And Appel was drafted by the Astros at one. And went through a bunch of arm injuries. Battled through depression. And this guy goes out there yesterday and just starts dealing some awesome stuff. Did you guys catch that? I mean. He had he had like retired for like a year or two and then came back. Yeah, personal time. Yeah, it took some personal time. Yeah, it was uh, it was impressive, man. And that's you know that's just something to say right there in terms of the younger guys out there. You know, you just can't give up. You got to stick to what you love to do, and you just got to keep pushing forward, staying positive. He was throwing ninety seven, throws a clean inning, and makes his major league debut. We gotta we gotta give Mark Appel a shout out. I'm hoping that guy pitches another five years. It, it happens all the time. Guys come out, come up when in their 30s and and have a pretty good major league career. So I'm pulling for that guy to have uh, a, a nice four or five years in the MLB. That was great to see yesterday. So 
moving forward here, we got the week ahead. We got three in San Fran. You know, I, I was going to sprinkle in a uh, keep it your mean section here in the podcast. You guys might have vetoed me a little bit. We're going to San Fran. You guys know how I feel about what's going on in San Fran, what they drink in the water in the Bay Area. We we miss Rodan. We might see some Luis Gonzalez. We might see some Yermin. I don't know. We lose two out of three of the Angels. What, what, what do you guys think is going to happen here against the Giants this weekend? I mean, you got I, you got decent matchups. Um, their pitches have been pretty good, but Lind versus Cobb, Cease versus Webb, Gio Lito versus D. Scalafani. Um, I think you got a decent shots to come out of there with one or two. Um, and based on kind of just what the Sox do, I would. I have a hard time being too optimistic. But you're thinking, you know, at this like honestly, at this point in time, I don't. I honestly don't care what happens this series a whole lot. It's gonna matter starting Monday, starting on the fourth. They got 13 days, 13, 14 days against all AL Central teams. That's what's really gonna matter. If you can go two out of three here, great. But your 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 season is going to be defined by how you do July fourth through July seventeenth. It's going to be quite the stretch. My my wife's getting induced on Wednesday, so we might have to miss next week, unfortunately, boys. Unless you guys want to hold down the fort. I don't know who's going to run the technology between you two, but we'll we'll see if you can make it happen. So I'm going to be watching those games from the hospital and you know it's going to be it's going to be the two biggest weeks is it two or three three two two to three biggest weeks of the year if the Sox don't come to play the season's over so there's there's no more it's early excuses right it's it's time to get down and and start it's time to start playing good baseball. It's time to start hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And it's time to start shutting these guys down. You dominated the AL Central for the last year. You got to let them know who's boss. Mush, what's your prediction for this AL Central run? Well, we're in a do-or-die situation, and I think that this is going to be our playoffs here. So, Giants, we got to take two or three. Um, I think we damn near need to sweep Twins, Tigers, Guardians. I mean, this is going to be our, this is our playoffs. If we can't stick in and and make a run here and and come out on top, maybe, what do we got out there, 12 12 games in in the division coming up? No, it's, uh, it's or is it nine? 15. 15? Yeah. So if we can't come out, if we can't come out 12 and, 12 and 3, we might as well start dealing. But one game at a time. Well, I, if we come out 12 and 3, we might be in first place. I don't think yeah. 12, 12 and 3 is like, all right, we're back. I, I would take, at that point, I would take a 9 and 6. 9 and 6, I think, is, is like minimum. If you don't, if you don't pull off a 9 and 6, you got to sell. Yeah. All right. It depends who who are you winning the nine on, because if you sweep the tigers, right? If you sweep the tigers, that means you're splitting against everyone else. Yeah, but you, I mean, you need 
if you split with everyone else and you win those four, you're five and a half back. It's putting you. I mean, depending on what they the Twins do that other series or the Indians do the two series, they miss you. But you're looking at possibly being down two games, and at two games you'll take your chances. But I think a lot of it's psychological. I think that the Guardians, maybe even the Twins, they didn't expect to be at this point, at you know, in the lead, kind of in the driver's seat. And right now the White Sox are the ones that are getting browbeaten because they were supposed to be like the next coming, the, the next big show. And it's just a different mentality. When you don't have to worry about, you know, just the extra nonsense, it's like go out there and play and have fun. That's, that's what we're seeing right now out of the Guardians and the Twins. All right, so we got, we got the Giants on tap for three this weekend. And then we're moving on to the biggest stretch of the year, two weeks against the AL Central. I'm I'm hoping for some good things. I mean, we we've it's like Groundhog's Day, right? Deja vu. Every time we're talking each week, we think that we're gonna turn the corner, and we end up being four and a half, five and a half behind. So it's time. We're getting some head to head with the Twins. We're getting some head to head with the Guardians. We gotta make some hay. We we gotta we gotta win some ball games. I'm I, I'm optimistic. You know, with that said, we're we're gonna move into the PMA segment. The White Sox owned the division last year. I, I I I'm biased, but I I know we have more talent than those teams. I know we're a better baseball team now. I don't know if we have the will to win like like those teams. We you know to to quote the Hawk Harrelson, the TWTW. That's that's TBD at this point. I guess we'll find out here, but you know. To, just to stay on the positive note, we alluded to it earlier. <clears throat> we go two and five this past weekend, and we we only lost a game. We lost the game. Any other division, we're out of it. And we play. We, we lose three out of four to the Orioles at home, and we survive that because we're not out of the division. Because more so, because the Guardians and and Twins are not pulling away. So I feel pretty good about that. I think it's just we're one hot streak away, right? We're, we're one hot streak away. We got to make that happen. Give me some PMA, boys. Keep me off the ledge. I mean, I think the bats have shown flashes of, of coming alive of late. You know, they've had their ups and downs. We need a little more consistency. But, you know, there's at least signs of life for the bats. Uh, Jose is becoming an on-base machine at his advanced age, finally taking walks. And I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, Jose that's a good is, point. You know, Jose's picking up his play. Timmy's his consistent Timmy self, and you know, I think with the pitching, if Gio truly has righted the ship for him, um, the way Dylan's pitching, the way Cueto's pitching, I think Lance is is kind of getting back into you know his typical form. He pitched pretty well this weekend. Kind of, kind of got beat up a little bit late, but starting to figure it out and get a little deeper in the games. Kopech can kind of get back to where he was. I think we got a chance for the pitching to kind of pick up, and hopefully that carries us while the bats, uh, you know, start start to awake, awaken. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, an approach that I share. I would say one of my favorite quotes that I live by is uh, tough times don't last, tough people do. 
And what I mean by that is I'm saying what I'm saying is is these guys need to stop complaining. They need to start showing up. They need to pull their socks up, put their fucking work clothes on. And I'm talking about the superstars in our lineup, and they need to show up every day and they need to play. And that's what we have to do. And that's that's it. That's our recipe. Mancata, TA, Eloy, Robert, Yaz. Like these guys need to stop bitching. You're a professional athlete. You're tough players. Start showing up. Let's go. So so Mush, I agree. I'm done with the days off. I Tony loves it, but we need some consistency. It's time to make a run. We got to stack our best players. We got to play them every day. And we got a we got a two week stretch here until the All Star game. So I I think you got to go hundred and ten percent for these two weeks, and, and then you get you get a week off, right? And then you could take a step back and see where you're at at the All Star break. So, legs, you hit the nail on the head. We have to approach these next two weeks like it is the playoffs. Like this is it. So let's let's get hot. We're like I said, we're one hot streak away from getting back in this thing. We're gonna. We're going to take the series in San Fran. It's going to be tough, but I like our matchups. I think Saturday is our worst matchup, but Friday and Sunday, I really like how things are lining up. Starting pitching has been good. We're going to get Liam back here next week, which is going to be huge. We need Liam back for the AL Central division games that we got coming up. Having Liam gives you some more depth in that bullpen, right? You could you could bump everybody back. You get Graveman more back in the eighth. So, talk to me in two weeks, gentlemen. I got, I got, an, I got baby number three on the way. It's gonna be a whirlwind. Good luck. We're gonna, we're gonna talk next time, and we're not gonna be talking that we're sellers at the deadline. We're gonna be looking. This is where I want us to be. We're gonna be searching baseball reference for the players that we want to add to this team to make a playoff push. Sudsy the third is going to bring us some good luck. Let's, well, we don't know. I'm going to, I got two daughters. Here we go, baby! TBD. We don't know, we don't know what baby number three is going to be. We'll see. Gentlemen, it's been fun. We might make episode number six of the Strap It Down podcast, June 30th. Miss next week but we'll get you back in two weeks. So thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.